It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right, for every 1,500 players who bet the over on the select game, the over-under will drop by one point. Every better who hammers the over in the featured game helps to lower the game's over-under. The best part is that even as the line lowers, your odds remain at even money. That's right, you can double your money by hammering the over. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people who bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the over hitting, so tell your friends and family this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager. One per customer. Offer ends the 23rd of May, 2021. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. Coming to you at the end of another season, a weird season. Um, we spoke about it all year long how bizarre this season was, how many injuries we had as a ball club and how frustrating it was to watch this team at different times. Justin, you've joined us again after being uh, too too excited by the game against Charlotte to, uh, to join us last episode. So I'll ask you, how was your play-in tournament experience with the Indiana Pacers? Yeah, well, first of all, I think it was the best episode of the Pacers all year without me. So I actually might be on the trading block as well. I might be... Um, on an, on another Pacers podcast, maybe. But, yes, well done to you two, filling in my void. Done, did very well. But, yeah, um, speaking about the playing tournament, um, I love it as an NBA whole experience. I, I love it. Like, the uh, Memphis-Golden State game was amazing. The Lakers-Golden State game was amazing. But, um, yeah, on the Eastern Conference side, the uh, it, was, it was a bit dull, wasn't it? There was a few blowouts there. And, um, look... We, we all predicted it, didn't we? we? We probably said Pacers would beat Charlotte and then they'd get their asses kicked by Washington. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it was pretty disappointing. I've already, um, on your topic, declined a trade offer from setting the pace uh, to bring you across. So you're not going anywhere, mate. You're untouchable. Um, so it's, uh, it's not happening. Now, um, Shout out to setting the pace, by the way. So the Wizards really struggled, really struggled against Boston, but we knew that they would come out firing against Indiana. Alex, we, we talked about it in the last episode. Uh, there was never any other outcome. I mean, Russell Westbrook was unbelievable again. We could not defend him at all. We couldn't defend the Wizards overall. They just shot the lights out and we had absolutely nothing. It was unfortunately like far too many games over the last couple of months where the pace is just... Just let the other team score at will. 
It's like watching the same bad movie every night, isn't it, mate? I mean, we gave up an average of 140 points in the four games against the Wizards. That has to be some sort of record. That's like uh, just saying that doesn't even seem real for the Pacers because, as we've said, we've been a top 10 defense pretty much every year. So. No other word but embarrassing can sum it up. Uh, the Wizards aren't even that good of a team. Like, let's not sit here and act like they're a championship contender. Yes, they have Westbrook and Beal who can take over games, but we were getting killed by Robin Lopez <laughs> and Rahul Neto. Like, those guys should not be having good games against you. So, I mean, yeah, it summed up the pace of season, didn't it? And honestly, just glad to put it behind us. Incredibly disappointing finish um, to a pretty disappointing season. I mean, the, the the ball club, I guess, talked up this season as one where they were happy to, I guess, sacrifice some wins in the short term for some longer term gains. And we sacrificed those wins all season, but we never saw the long-term gains, Alex. And, you know, um, Justin, I'll, I'll go to you, Alex. And I talked a bit about this in the last episode with um, Nate Bjorker and wrapping up his first year as a head coach in the NBA. Uh, consensus with us was that I guess he'll stick around come what may, regardless of the result in the playing game. Did the way that we lost against Washington change your view on Nate Bjorkman's future? Uh, Well, no, because I expected it. (laughs) I expected the loss anyway. So it's not like I expected them to win and I went, wow, this is such a surprise to me. Um, He's got to go. We've, we've been speak, speaking about Bjorken. I remember we were, we were one of the first podcasts in Paces that I know that kind of brought up he's had a tough year. And this, this was way back. Um, we were on him early in the year, as were the players, but we saw the warning signs early, I think. So um, I'm not too sure. Like, I, I would tend to agree with both of you. He, he might not be our head coach next year, but there is a bit of me that go... You know, it's NBA is one of the toughest businesses in the world. They, if they don't have the right coach, they don't just sit on him and wait and go, oh, we'll give him another year. It's cutthroat. Um, you know, there's, there's rumors Terry Stotts from Portland. He's he's on the hot seat and, you know, they're up 1-0 against um, Denver. So, you know, he's apparently fired next year. What, how should Nate Bjorkman keep his, his job and Terry Stotts gone? So um, my biggest thing is... What's going to be the takeaway from Kevin Pritchard's post-game conference, post-year like year conference? I think that's going to sway me on, on this year a little with what he says. Um, is he going to blame on injuries? Is he going to you know say, oh, we're building towards the future? It, what's he going to say to get the fans hooked? Um, what, what do you guys think? Because I think whatever he says is going to sway what I think. I think he's going to get a, an experienced assistant coach. I think he's going to get an experienced team of coaches around Bjorkren. And I think he's going to give him every chance to succeed until he doesn't. Uh, I think we could very well be having this conversation 20, 30 games into the 2021-22 season uh, if the ball club is struggling, that even with assistant coaches, even with senior figures around him, maybe that doesn't matter. Or, you know what, it could be a masterstroke. We could have a defensive coordinator type coach added to this club. And, you know, we just lost one. I mean, everyone in their, and their dog knows that we should have kept Dan Burke at all costs. And, and we've seen, unfortunately, the result of why. But I can see new senior assistant coaches coming in. I can see them surrounding Nate Bjorkren with good basketball minds, good basketball people, respected figures around the NBA. Uh, and then it's up to him 
because Alex, if if they set him up for success with a red hot bench and the Pacers struggle out the gate next season, regardless of what the roster looks like, it's still going to have Domas Sabonis. It's still going to have Karis LeVert. It's going to have a t- healthy TJ Warren. I can see those three players as untouchable along with O'Shea Brissett. So there's really no excuses for uh, going backwards or, or being in that eight, nine position next season. We should be aiming for the upper half of the East. No, there isn't any excuse, but I think the the biggest thing for me is the locker room, right? Like if those reports, which, which by the way, it's no, it's worth noting that TJ Warren did refute the the trade request for those who might've missed that. Yeah. But if those reports about the chemistry issues, uh, Nate not wanting to change his style to the players, or, or if all of that is still true, I don't see him getting the locker room back. Like just because a couple of players come back healthy, I don't think that changes anything for him. So Sorry, but I think that's the the biggest thing, right? If he still has the confidence of the players, I I think he can come back next year and we can be a good team when healthy. But that's such a big what if to me because what we saw, especially with that Greg Foster incident, everything boiling over, it, it just doesn't look good. And again, when you lose a locker room in the NBA, like uh, I just don't see you getting it back. You're right. I um. I can't see it happening long-term, but I also can't see the club just giving up on him uh, because it's kind of an admission that uh, they made the wrong hire. I'm not sure that they're ready to admit that yet. Um, it, it's it's really tough, though, because the ball club played so terribly on defense. I mean, Justin, we said we wanted faster pace. We said we wanted more threes. We said that we wanted a more modern offense. We got that, but we also got one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And we shouldn't, one shouldn't mean the other. Exactly right. And I'll go back to, I sent you guys the thread uh, the other day and it was from Jay Michael who actually asked Malcolm Brogdon about Nate Bjorkren um, and just the difference between what Malcolm Brogdon praised about Bjorkren at the start of the season saying, oh, he's so good at X and O's, he's a championship coach. To now, it was actually a fantastic question by Jay Michael putting it, saying, you know, is is he the same coach you thought he was? Um, and he kind of ducked the question. So he, he didn't commit. He didn't commit to saying he's still a great coach. Uh, he's done a 180. So... You can tell, Malcolm, you talk, um, Alex, about can you get the confidence of the playing group back? Me personally, from an outer, I don't think he can. And that's just going off quotes I've read, uh, the feel of the team. You know, all the players came out after they lost to Washington and said, oh, geez, it was such an up and down year, which means, you know, that like every team, they would have dealt with some stuff. But um, I think, you know, we talk about the negatives of being a small market team. I think the small positives are, Paces aren't high in the media. If this was like the Los Angeles Lakers, a lot more stories would have been coming out and we'd know a lot more truth about what went on in the locker room. They're very tight. Uh, they don't give anything away. Uh, but I do want to talk about Mal- Malcolm Brogdon. That's that's a topic I did want to broach today because as we exit this season, you've got a guy making $21 million for the next two seasons. He's 28 years old. And let me read you his games played the last four seasons, including his two with, last two with Milwaukee. 48, 64, 54, 56. Now, granted, the last two seasons were in, I think there were 70, 
two games played in each season, around about 70 to 72 games. But that's still 15 to 20 games missed consistently each season. I, I don't know if there's going to be a time that he plays 75 games like he did in his rookie season. He's never played a full season in his career. He's only played five seasons and he's nearly 30. He's 18 months away from being 30. So, Alex, I'll go to you first. I mean, is there any any part of you that thinks that the, this experiment needs to end now before more injuries hit, less games are played, and potentially trade value is hurt even more? Yeah, and the, the scary thing is it isn't just Brogdon, is it? I mean, you look at the guys at the Pacers target, right? TJ Warren, history of injuries in Phoenix. Uh, Karis LeVert, history of injuries going back to college. Miles had an injury in college, I think, as well. So the guys that they're getting are, are low on value because they're the Pacers, right? We're not getting LeBron James. We're not getting Steph Curry. We have to get guys who are low on value or who may be undervalued because of that injury history like Brogdon was. So, you know, part of me says, yes, you know, these guys are getting older and you need them playing games and you need them playing in the playoffs. I mean, Brogdon was on one hamstring against the Wizards. You could see, like, he, he couldn't keep up with Westbrook on a good day, yet alone in, the, uh, in that playing game. So, yeah, it, you know, definitely it's a concern, but... Uh, you know, it's important to realize that it's not just Brogdon. It's unfortunate that that just has to be the way the paces go after. I know, Justin, you said it was similar to the money ball. If for those that have seen that film, um, the paces just have to target those types of players. Yeah, undervalued players that, that you can potentially get a little bit more out of. I mean, Oladipo was was the same. He was a undervalued high draft pick and he had some good years. And, you know, luckily Kevin Pritchard, uh, Jedi mind tricked uh, Houston into into taking his contract. Um, <laughs> and good luck to, to Oladipo in recovery. But Justin, I want to keep on Malcolm Brogdon because this is the second coach in two years where we've heard... Just whispers, nothing, you know, there hasn't been um, a definitive report at any point about Malcolm Brogdon, but um, in both Nate McMillan and Nate Bjorkren's coaching careers, it seems that they at some point had Malcolm Brogdon offside. And for a guy that, uh, I guess, projects to be a leader of the locker room, you, you need some synergy and you need some harmony in that locker room. And unfortunately... If it's just one coach, totally get it. But now if if it's two, it's becoming a bit of a trend. It is, and it's a really scary trend. I, th- I think <clears throat> Brogdon's a really smart guy, uh, you know, and I know all three of us think that. Uh, if he's got issues, there must be some underlying reasons. I don't think, like, he's a coach killer and he's just out to sack a coach. I think he's a very smart guy. Um but from my point of view, and maybe from the fans' point of view, what we see on, you know, we can only see so much of the team through social media um, and, you know, highlights and what, what these players give out to the public. And I'd nearly say, like, Miles Turner's the leader of the Pacers. You know, he's, he's the one, yep. you know, tweeting about the Pacers. Where even when he's injured, he's tweeting about him, he's, he's vocal. You can tell he really wants them to win where... You know, Sabonis has got the paces in the other room while he's watching his college team in March Madness, and you, you don't really hear much from Malcolm Brogdon. So, um, yeah, from a fan's perspective, yeah, I'd, I'd say Miles is really club room leader at that, at that, at that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I'm on the fence about Brogdon. Um, I'd be shocked if he's traded. I'll say that. I don't, I, I don't know if I want him on the team or not. 
at this point. Is he a championship caliber point guard? Probably not. But um, yeah, it depends who we get back in return, I guess. I can definitely see Malcolm Brogdon having played his last game for the team. And the reason I say that is because I don't think he fits what Bjorkren needs in terms of an offense and in terms of a system. I think Bjorkren values athleticism and quickness. We we talked about in the last episode, you know, I think there's, there's definite reason for me to believe that Bjorkren would value a quicker, more athletic point guard rather than a more intelligent, high basketball IQ, high shooting percentage guy like Brogdon. Uh, And I think Mm -hmm. the way that Bjorkren wants to play, um, he wants probably someone that can be a bit of a pickpocket, that can run the floor, that can get back on D quickly and, you know... um, I guess, use that quickness. And and Brogdon lets the game come to him. He's a guy that allows the pay, allows himself to dictate the pace of, of the offense rather than, um, you know, getting after it and, and really, you know, running the floor. So I, I think there's a difference between the players that could succeed in the way that Bjorkman wants to play and the way that Malcolm Brogdon is going to play and and his optimal, I guess, um, play type. Alex, am I off base there? I don't think you are, but the biggest question is, is Nate even your coach next season? (laughs) You know, you don't want to make a move to trade your point guard and then not have the coach back next season who was the reason you traded him, right? So uh, that's the biggest question mark there. But yeah, I think you're right. Out of all the starters, it's I think Miles is the most likely not to be back, but then Brogdon second. Um, but if we are talking about available point guards, I keep coming back to Lonzo Ball. I think he would be a fantastic fit. I don't know what's going on in New Orleans, but I think he, he would he's be out. A great he's gone. Fit. Yeah. yeah, which is wild to me, by the way, because I think he's a fantastic player and he's worth the money to me. But yeah, maybe they think otherwise. I guess, could you envision a scenario because New Orleans has always coveted Miles, I think. Could you envision a scenario with Lonzo and Miles being exchanged in some way with, you know, pieces here, there and everywhere? I mean, not to get too much into fantasy GM, but (laughs) Alex, you you clearly cover Lonzo. Um, I think New Orleans are after a centre that can hit threes and stretch the floor and, and space the floor for Zion. That move could make a bit of sense for both teams. Yeah, I think it, I think it's better than the Bulls offer, who were offering Larry Markinen, I believe. So, if I'm picking between Miles or Larry, I'm going Miles every day. So, yeah, I think it's a. Uh, I keep coming back to New Orleans and Charlotte as the two most likely teams to to covet Miles this off season. Definitely, I don't think Charlotte have as much to offer. I don't think the Pacers want any part of Devonte Graham or um, or Terry Rozier or heaven forbid Cody Zeller. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think Charlotte have a lot to offer there unless they you know get a, a high pick they jump up in that that draft lottery. But Justin, when you talk about I think Miles and Malcolm for me are, are the uh, the leaders in the clubhouse of starters to get traded. I can't see Domas leaving. I can't see Karis leaving. I can't see TJ Warren leaving. So that leaves Miles and Malcolm. And Tony East is right onto the cap. Um, the capology stuff of this and the team is over the cap where $15 million over the cap with our cap holds next season. This team has to make a move. It has to shed salary. And uh, 
particularly if it wants to keep guys like TJ McConnell and Doug McDermott. So out of um, Miles and Malcolm, do you agree that they're probably the most two, the two most likely to be traded? And second part of the question, what would you want in return for that? What sort of player would you want to pair with Karras, TJ and Domas? Yeah, it's, it's really tough. Um, you, you guys have dumbed it down really good. I, I just cannot see Brogdon being traded. Um, I, I just can't. I don't know what it is. I feel like he's such a new pace and I'm pretty sure KP absolutely loves him. But then just hearing what you're talking about, Adam, about, you know, Bjorkman might need another point guard. That makes so much sense to, you know, that's why we may have had so much struggles throughout the year. But, um yeah, it's it, it's tough. I, I think this offseason is such a big offseason. Like, no offseason is ever small, but definitely this one. Different from the pe- fans' perspective, I think Pacer fans have really had it tough the last few years, and they want some excitement back in the building. Um, we remember a few years ago, the Oladipo Cavs series, and how much we love watching Pacers basketball. I think Pacers are skating a very thin line right now where the team can go either one or two ways. We, we could be make the right moves and be going for a top four seed like you guys were talking about, or we could be bottom echelon of this of the Eastern Conference. You know, teams are getting better. You know, we were in the play in this year. We had the tied the worst home record in the Eastern Conference. This team's not assuming to make the playoffs next year just because we're healthy. There's no way. You know, we don't know what TJ Warren's going to come back like. And yeah, we mentioned Sabonis getting traded a few weeks ago, but the way he finished the season, he won't get traded. There's no way. So, who do I think we should get? Jeez, I I don't know. I honestly don't know. All I'll say is I want some star power. How long do I have to say on the podcast? How long do I have to say as a Pacer fan? I do not care if we go all in and make a mistake and get a star like Toronto did with Kawhi. Just let's try and get a star in Indiana. Even if it doesn't work out for one, two years, give it a go. Let's try and get a star player. You really want a guy whose jersey is for sale in Foot Locker in Australia. And Oladipo was, you know, for sale in a few Foot Lockers around the, around the place, obviously Paul George before that. But you can't name another player since Reggie that really had the had jerseys that were for sale in Australia. And this is, you know, this is a little specific to us. But even if you go to Foot Locker in New York City, I mean, I've, I've been to been to the US, been around the US at times when we had Paul George at the time when we had um, Victor Oladipo. And, you know, those guys' jerseys were around because they were popular. No other players were around. Miles never got his jersey in, you know, uh, the, the NBA store. It was, it was Paul George. Um, so I agree. I'd love to see a star. I'd love to see a guy who... You look at the name on the back of the jersey and casual fans actually know who that is. Um, Being in Australia, that is particularly, I guess, important because it's hard to have a conversation with people about the Pacers because they don't know who plays for the Pacers. So when you're rocking a Goga jersey. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it is tough wearing a Goga jersey in Australia, but... You know, if we got a big name, at the very least, people would say, oh, the Pacers, this guy plays for the Pacers. And they would know who this ball club is. I'd almost prefer, as you say, them going all in to try and get a guy that, you know, might only be here for a year or two and then end up with some cap space rather than, you know, continue this capped out sort of 
oft injured um, list of guys that really like, they just can't get on the floor together. Uh, I mean, Alex, we we've been we started this podcast nearly two years ago, and our first choice starting lineup. I would say that it's been on the floor um, for less than 10 games overall in that two years. Uh, we, we just haven't had our first choice lineup out there. I would think 10 games is being generous, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's been painful, like injury after injury. But yeah, as you guys said, we, we went on star, man. Like uh, Justin said it, the Raptors. They only got one year of Kawhi. You, you know, it's not always going to end up in a championship. And yes, Kawhi left, but who cares? Like you ask any Raptors fan, they don't care about this season, man. They won a championship two years ago. So, you know, as you guys, I'm on the same page. We want to be able to sleep at night knowing that this Pacers uh, team went all in. And we talked about it a lot, but Larry Bird did that. It didn't work. But I respect him for, for making those moves and trying to uh, beat the heat. But... You know, right now, yeah, uh, they're not going to get it done with this roster. So who knows? Maybe we can get a guy like, uh, uh, I don't want to say Westbrook. I'm trying to think of anyone not named Westbrook. Guys, help me. <laughs> Yaron Fox. But Yaron Fox. Yeah, Yaron I'd Fox. be happy with that. I, I'd I love look, him on the paces. That's that's my guy. That that would be, I think, the ideal guy for us to to have on this team playing point. If you had a, line, a lineup of... Fox, Levert, Warren, O'Shea Brissett, and Domas Sabonis. I think that would make a little noise. I think that it'd be fun to watch above all else, which is what we need. I think it would be fast. It would be high scoring. But I also think they would try on defense, um, given the right coach, given the right you know attention on that bench. So I think it, it, this team's probably a couple of tweaks away from, from being able to really compete. But... I mean, not to not to copy someone's homework, but you look at what Denver's surrounded Jokic with, and you look at Domas's skills, and you have to sort of think to yourself, well, you need a little fast three-point shooting guard, and that's not De'Aaron Fox, but he's little and fast. He's not three-point shooting, but there, there just aren't that many Jamal Murray's in the league that you can you can have. I mean, Fred Van Vliet's not coming, for example, although he would be that that archetype. But I mean, would it be the worst thing in the world, Justin, for for us to try and be Denver East with Domas at center? No, definitely not. I mean, it's just a really good comparison. But um, it's funny you mentioned Fred Van Vliet, uh, Fred Van Vliet there because there were rumors Pacers went after him, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they offered him so that they made a run at him, which, you know, might might mean, you know, the Pacers have a certain so, certain type of point guard they want. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting. I'll, I'll just say, like, I've watched a lot of NBA this year, a lot of NBA, um, and Pacers are one of the least effort teams on defense I've watched this year. Yeah. Like, you watch the New York Knicks with Tom Thibodeau <laughs> And then you watch a Pacers game, it is night and day. And, you know, I nearly got to the point where it was, it was tough to watch Indiana. We all know that. I don't want to, you know, keep bagging the Pacers. They're my team. I love them. But um, I just can't – I don't want it to be understated how poor this season was. And I really want the fans kind of to push up a management that this year was not acceptable. Like, it, it was not under any circumstance. I don't care about the injuries. It, it's not acceptable as a fan who, you know, we tune in, we spend our hard-earned time, we do this podcast for the fans and we spend money on apparel and everything like that. And I, I just think what the team put out this year 
understand COVID with the difficulties they had with hotel quarantine and everything like that, but you just watch other teams compare to paces and it just wasn't acceptable. So something's got to change. We all probably said the starting lineup, one or two players are going to get traded, all the coaches out. And I think if anything that happens, um, well, I'll put it to you guys. How would you feel if we get the same five back and uh, same head coach? I'd be, I'd be really disappointed if we made no changes to the bench or the roster. And I, I just want to come back to one thing you said there, and that is that the Pacers didn't show as much effort on defense. And you you overlay that with the fact that Domas traveled more meters on defense than any other player in the league. So that tells me that in Australia, we have a saying running around like a chook with his head cut off. Like he didn't know what he was doing, where he was going or what he was supposed to be. So if he's traveling more meters than anyone else, then Alex, and there's not enough effort on defense, then that's down to coaching, isn't it? That's down to the system. That's down to Domas not knowing where he should be and how he should deploy himself to stop the other team from scoring, isn't it? 100%. (laughs) You know, the the schemes were absolutely terrible. I mean, we were going over screens on Westbrook at 35 feet from the basket. So that tells you all we need to know. Yeah, and uh, I know Caitlin Cooper talked about that a lot so she knows what she's talking about i'm going to believe her but <laughs> the defensive schemes were terrible and obviously dan burke's a big out but geez even without dan burke not nah. like you can't just lay it all on him not being there that's just terrible you don't just forget how to play defense i mean justin these guys were coached by dan burke for multiple seasons and even you know brogdon uh was coached by him last season you don't just forget how to play defense because someone leaves it's you know we tried i heard at the start of the season that bjorkren throwing in box and one zone triangle and two all this stuff was was innovative and exciting and it actually ended up being the opposite it ended up being you know manic and and you know unpredictable in a bad way unpredictable for the players playing defense it seemed like they didn't really know how to play all the different schemes they were being asked to. And that lack of consistency may have led to a bad outcome. Yeah. And I'll go back to, I think, one of the most important, put aside all the Oladipo stuff, one of the most important quotes all year, I personally think, and that was from Levert. And Alex, you mentioned it in an episode before. Um, and it was in his first few weeks as a pacer, he actually said, you know, frankly, this team's got bad chemistry. <laughs> like, yeah. no one's on the sideline cheering. Um, what does that say? We've got an outsider come into our team, used to Brooklyn where they're all dancing on the sidelines and everything like that and having fun. He's coming to the paces and going, geez, no, one even, no one's even happy for me when I score 20. No one's happy when I do a reverse layup. Um, to me, that was the biggest quote of the season and the biggest takeaway because um, it shows the chemistry wasn't good. These players probably don't get along off the court. Um and there's just no will to win. Like, if you're not excited for a teammate making a play, you know, it's it's just not great. You you, you saw the game after LeBert said that. Yeah, you saw Brissett and everyone on the sideline – or not Brissett, sorry, um, Keelan Martin on the sideline cheering and everything like that because um, it meant something. But, yeah, I'll always take that away and kind of – it reminded me of the Roy Hibbert selfish comments when people were some rebounds and trying to stat pad and everyone was saying he was talking about Lance. But, um, yeah, that, that was really telling to me. Uh, you know, there's conventional wisdom in, in business suggests that a team usually assumes the personality of its leader. And I think the team 
under Victor Oladipo as, as the leader on the floor, did preach those three T's. They, they did have a bit of synergy in terms of the culture that they built. Vic left. The leader is then Domas Sabonis on the floor. He's the best player on the floor. So, you know, he is possibly looked to as the leader. Miles is doing his very best to be the leader, but he's leading on the defensive end. He's not leading on the offensive end. He's not scoring points. He's not getting rebounds. He's blocking heaps of shots. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, Domas's personality doesn't appear to be that outgoing and doesn't appear to wrap his arms around teammates, doesn't appear to celebrate everyone else's success. We've talked about how this season he's yapping at the referees, he's complaining about every foul call, et cetera. So I think this is a big season coming up for Domas Sabonis. If he wants to be a superstar in this league, which he has the ability numbers-wise to be, then he needs to be able to show that he can lead a team that he can celebrate everyone's success, that he can rush to pick up the guy who fell out of bounds. Like, that has to be his role. And if Miles is dealt, then the pressure's on even more because this is, unless we get someone who can outplay Domas and can assume the leadership of this team on and off the court, this team's going to assume Domas's personality and Domas has to be more giving to his teammates if this team's going to be more together and, and have better chemistry. Alex, am I talking nonsense? No, absolutely not. And I think that's also why TJ McConnell is so important because yeah. he's one of the rare guys on this roster that actually brings energy on and off the court. And, uh, you know, he's that veteran presence that we need. So if you're KP, you've got to be looking at that. And three of your top five guys, Warren, Sabonis and Brogdon are all pretty like chilled guys there. They rarely show any emotion. So you need guys like McConnell. And if you're looking at other free agents, maybe that's something you look at. Can this guy bring energy to this team? And, you know, I know that we've talked about it. He's not a pacer. He doesn't you know, embody the team. But if you've got a guy like Westbrook, you know who's leading the team. You know who's, you know, needs the ball. You know who's going to take the last shot. You know who's going to. And Westbrook's known as one of the best teammates in the league. Not one teammate has a bad word to say about the guy. So I'm not saying we need Russell Westbrook, but we need a leader. I think and we need a guy that can lead not just off the court and say the right things and, you know, spruik the team and support the team, but we need a guy that can take that team by the scruff of the neck on the court and say, get on my back. Because at the moment, we don't have that guy right now. And that's unfortunately the reason that we're not playing that well. That's a final thought I'll leave you guys with, but we'll come to you next week. We've got a lot to talk about this off season. We've got draft stuff, a lot of Josh Giddy talk coming guys. Cause, uh, ESPN had him uh, in the mock draft to the Pacers. So we will come to you again next week on the Pacer Roos. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.